I wanted to open in a word of prayer, but I'll start with telling you that the prayer is based around the scripture that I feel like that word came from, that the song came from. It's in First Chronicles 16:29. It says, "Give unto the Lord the glory; do His name; bring an offering and come before Him; worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness." Let's pray. Father, as we do come before you this morning, we want to give glory to you because you are worthy. You're the one true God of creation. In the spiritual realm, all obey you. The angels do your bidding, and even those evil angels know that they're subject to your command. In the physical world, we're amazed and see your glory in the heavens. It's wonderful. We see your glory in the earth, the wind, the storms, the earthquakes. They're all under your control. The power of those comes from you, and you can withdraw it and calm the storm. God, you are truly amazing, and we give glory to you. Your attributes amaze us. Your, your holiness and your justice and your mercy and your grace and your goodness and your love they teach us of your perfection, absolutely unblemished, something we can never attain as your justice would condemn us. But your mercy and your grace and your love and your goodness offer us salvation because you do love us. And through Jesus Christ, we have access to you, and it is truly amazing. The angels wonder at it, and so do we. We're told to bring an offering and come before you. Father, we have no offering that is worthy of you. The only thing we can bring is a humble heart and a spirit that's contrite and willing to serve you and to stand before you in obedience and offer our lives to you. Isaiah 57, 15 says, For thus says the high and exalted one who lives forever, whose name is holy, I dwell in a high and holy place but I also dwell with the contrite and the lowly of spirit in order to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Father, that's the only thing we have to give you is our submission and our praise and glory to you. And the last part of that verse said to worship the Lord in, in the beauty of holiness or in holy attire. We have nothing but rags, but when we put on the beauty and the salvation and the holiness that we receive through Jesus Christ were acceptable. And so we come to you in that vein and worship you today, give honor to you. Father, you are our treasure, and we love having you as our own, that you called us, that you asked us to call you Father, and that you treat us as the good Father. So, Father, today we just lift up praise and worship and honor to you, especially as we come to the season where we celebrate the coming of our Savior, Emmanuel. God is with us now and forever. Amen. Okay. All right, I want you to say these verses of Scripture with me, okay? Let's read that. He is the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Amen? Amen. Let's read another one. For by him all things were created that are in heaven, and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, 
all things were created through him and for him. Can I have an amen? Amen. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Amen? Amen. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. Amen? Okay, and this is the last one. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself. And that means you and me. Amen? Amen. Amen. So you know the Bible has a lot more things to say about, uh, about this baby in the manger. But we're going to sing about him this morning. If you have a time when you really agree, just say See the little baby lying in a manger early in the morning. Amen. Hear the angels singing. Born to you a Savior. Singing glory in the highest. Shepherds praising, Jesus. praising Christ the Savior, Jesus. shouting and rejoicing. Amen.
Christmas story is full of miracles, but none is more significant than the miracle of the virgin birth. How could it be that Jesus could be the perfect sacrifice for the sins of the world if he was an ordinary human being, born in an ordinary way? The perfect Lamb of God could not be a man with the same nature. However, he had to be 100% human. Therefore, God's plan was for his son to be born as a man from the womb of a young woman who had never known a man. The Holy Spirit would provide a seed by which the Christ child would be holy and without sin. Thus, the baby in the manger was fully human and fully God. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a, the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly exalted. You are very favored. He said, The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, that the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God.
The many amazing events that happened concerning the birth of our Lord is certainly confirmation 
that a child in a manger was the one to be the savior of the world. One very significant event that God orchestrated took place a short time after the birth of Jesus. It was customary by the law of the Lord that Mary and Joseph would present their child to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice. Luke chapter 2 verses 25 to 35 describes this event. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the uh, child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed.
the star that shines over this little one's cradle tonight. And who wrote the song the angels are singing to welcome this precious night? Who scheduled this holy To hold the power of heaven and earth in the palm of his great hand, this child is the one. This child is the one. Heaven's King of Glory.
Thank you, choir. Take your Bibles and go to Acts chapter 4. When Ron gave me this song, This Child is the One, it's amazing how the Lord puts things together because I've been doing a series on changed lives. (laughs) And those of us who are in Christ today... If we had the opportunity to testify in front of everyone here, um, how has this one, this child, Jesus Christ, changed your life? How's he done that? He's certainly done it in my life, and I hope he's done it in your life. I hope today you know, without a shadow of a doubt, that you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. In this song that the choir just sang, the word who appears several times in the song. The word who obviously refers to the Lord Jesus Christ. The song declares that the Lord Jesus is the creator, the composer, the sovereign one, the sustainer, the great physician, the omnipotent one. That word omnipotent means all-powerful. The one worthy of worship. The one born to Mary. The Savior. The King of glory. The who is the child born in Bethlehem. The Savior who died on the cross to atone for the sins of man. Because the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us in here have this in common We are all sinners. Some of us are sinners saved by grace. Some of us today, some of you, I don't know, not me, but some of you may be still in your sins and in need of a Savior. I have good news for you. Jesus Christ came to atone for the sins of men. He is the one whom God raised from the dead. The one who ascended to the right hand of the Father. You know, which is absent a lot in teaching. But very, very important. Because ascending to the right hand of the Father indicated that His work on earth was finished. He is the one who is coming for His church. He is the one who is coming to rule and to reign as the King of kings and Lord of lords. And He is the one that the apostles could not stop speaking about. How about you? I was thinking about the question this morning for us to consider. How much have we talked about our Savior? In your life, I mean, some of you are in your 70s and you've been saved for 50 years maybe. You're in your 60s and maybe you've been saved for 30 years. In your 50s, maybe... Saved for 25, 30 years, 10 years, 5 years, I don't know. All the way down. Maybe you're a young person, you've only been saved a few months. How much will we talk about our Savior? How has our Savior changed us? I think a lot of times when it comes to Christmas and Easter, it's just a cute little story. And that's how it's received. But this, my friends, is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the Savior. 
and the apostles declare that there is no, there's salvation in no other name but the Lord Jesus Christ. No other name. Jesus himself said it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Period. Man is trying many ways to get to God, but yet there is only one. Well, I want to show you just briefly and just reading some verses this morning that Peter and John, they were different. They were different, and the Lord Jesus Christ is the one that made the difference in them. In chapter 3 of Acts, you have a lame beggar who is healed. Verse 6 says in Acts chapter 3, but Peter, but Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, walk. The Bible says, and seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. And with a leap, he stood upright and began to walk and he entered the temple with them walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and they were taking note of him as being the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg alms. They were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. If you go to chapter 4, you don't need to turn there, but if you go to chapter 4, you find out that this man was more than 40 years old on whom this miracle had taken place. No wonder people were filled with amazement. That's a long time to be lame. The Bible says, verse 11, the people were wanting to honor Peter and John. Notice it says, and while he was clinging to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them and at the so-called porch of Solomon, full of amazement. But when Peter saw this, he replied to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Why do you gaze at us? As if by our own power or piety, we had made him walk. I really like this about Peter and John. I think there's a great lesson for us in this. It's the Lord that's doing the work. It's not us. It's him. Verse 13, he says, The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus, the one whom you delivered up. Man, this is a pretty strong message, by the way. The one whom you delivered up and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. But put to death the prince of life, the one whom God raised from the dead, a fact to which we are witnesses. But you think about all the different things in the lives of Peter and John that they had witnessed in the life, in the time they spent with Christ. <laughs> Notice what it says, verse 16. And on the basis of faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know, and the faith which comes through what? Him has given him this perfect health in the presence of you all. And then he tells them to repent, verse 19. And as you come to chapter 4, I want, you to, I want us to pick it up there. Look chapter 4, verse 1. 
And as they were speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in jail until the next day, for it was already evening. Um, they are starting to suffer real persecution for their faith. You know, in our country, we really don't suffer persecution for our faith. Now, I was thinking about the word suffering this week. I think we use it a lot in context, and I'm not sure it's really good to use the word. Just my opinion. You know, I have headaches, but I'm not quite sure that's suffering. When I look at Scripture, and I think about the suffering of the apostles, that was real suffering. In fact, all of the apostles, minus John, would be martyred for their faith in Christ. And he was put in a hot cauldron of oil. Now that doesn't sound good to me. How about you? The Bible says that Peter and John were put into jail. But notice verse 4. But many of those who had heard the message did what? They believed. The Lord works, my friends, in the midst of persecution for His honor and for His glory. And there were people saved that day. In fact, verse 4 says that the number of the men came to be about 5,000 people. You say, yeah, but this message they preached was hard. Yeah. That's okay. The gospel's hard. To the unbeliever, it's foolishness. But to us, it's what? Oh, it's not foolishness. We understand it to be God's grace. It's God's grace that saved us. Notice verse 6. And Annas the high priest was there, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of high priestly descent. And when they had placed them in the center, they began to inquire by what power? Or in what name have you done this? And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are on trial today for a benefit, benefit done to a sick man as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands before you in good health. It's by him. My friends, listen to me. If you're saved today, it's by Him. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the very cornerstone. And then circle verse 12. And there is salvation in no one else. So it doesn't matter what man says. No one else. That's what this book says. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Salvation is only found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 13. Now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John, they understood that they were uneducated and untrained men. They were marveling, they were astonished, that's the word there, and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, I thought that was interesting. I'd never noticed that before. <laughs> when I be went back and I was reading and studying this, I'd never seen that before. He's standing with them. 
They had nothing to say in reply. But when they had ordered them to go aside out of the council, they began to confer with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? You know, that day may come for us where a council says, What shall they do with this man who stands up and teaches God's word? And you know what? We can't imagine that. But it may come. It absolutely may come. They had nothing to say in reply. Now notice verse 16. It says, What shall we do with this men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all. <laughs> right? Word traveled. Some, hey, listen, this dude had been laying there. He's over 40 years old, and now he's leaping and walking around and praising God. And if you're one of those people that saw him, you're like, hey! The dude went from begging to standing and praising God. That's significant. Well, notice what it says. It was apparent to all who live in Jerusalem, and, he, and they said, we cannot deny it. There's no getting around it. But in order that it may not spread any further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to any man in this name. Verse 18 says, And when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak, look at this, not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. And I love verse 20. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. We can't stop. It reminded me of, some, somehow it reminded me of like football and football games when your team wins. And some people just can't stop talking about it. You know people like that? I know a few fan bases like that. They just go on and on and on and on, and you're like, stop. Wouldn't it be nice if we talked about the Lord so much with the people around us that they would just say, stop? And we would say, no. I look at this and I go, wow. The Lord Jesus Christ certainly impacted the lives of Peter and John. And the question that kept coming up in my mind is, and I know it was from the Lord, is that how much have I impacted your life? To the point where you cannot stop talking about me. You know, there's this thing called Facebook. Many of you are familiar with it. Every once in a while, I, I'll even write on it. Did you know that? Teresa has a Facebook account. Sometimes I'll read, and sometimes I'll even write. Not very often. There's a lot of times I'd love to write. But did you know that we could use Facebook for the glory of God? Now you're like, what? We can do what? Wouldn't it be great that if in 2019... If the Lord doesn't come back before then, that we would make a commitment as a body of believers 
Now, you can still put cute pictures and all that kind of stuff. I don't, that's fine. But what if we made the commitment, the greater commitment to say, I am going to send out the message about Jesus Christ over and over and over and over and over again. I'm going to put scripture on there over and over and over to the point where even some of your unsaved friends might say, stop. And we would say, we cannot stop. There's a story in a commentary on the 23rd Psalm by Maurice Berquist. He tells of a story of a ruthless man. This man knew he was going to die. Everything around him reminded him. Scratched crudely in the stone walls of the Singapore prison were the final words of many men before him who had faced death. Their curses, prayers, and occasionally their dreams were etched into the mildewed walls. Dampness gathered and fell like tears from the slimy stone. Neville Tan did not weep. He did not pray. He did not hope. He only waited. But for what? Not for pardon, for he had been condemned to die. He did not cry out against the charge, for there was no one to hear him. The damp walls would echo his cry. He waited, however, for lunch. That was all. A meager lunch of either noodles or rice and fish heads may not sound like a banquet to free men, but to men in solitary confinement faced with death, it is something to look forward to. The sound of sandals slapping against the concrete floor announced lunchtime. In a moment, the brown plastic tray would be shoved through the slot in the steel door. He thought, will there be extra noodles in the bowl? A bit more fish? Sometimes Neville was surprised by this luxury, and even more surprised by the thought that he had a friend on the outside. Some nameless person actually cared. One day, as the tray was slipped through the slot in the door, it looked different to Neville. The bowl was the same. The scruffy brown tray was the same. However, a tiny wad of paper, half hiding beside the bowl, was the only difference. Eagerly, Neville Tan reached for the paper, spread it out on the tray, and began to read the tiny torn page from a book. It read, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Neville Tan was in there because he was a murderer. 
You know, a lot of times I think we look at people and we might say, well, they're not worthy of salvation. None of us are. Neville Tan came to know the Lord. He was pardoned. He went to seminary after he was pardoned. And he pastored a church. As I read that story, I'm amazed at the obedience of one person. The person that put that little wad of paper on that tray that could not stop talking about the Lord. Will that be you? Will that be me? Well, we, they accuse us as a person who cannot stop talking about the one who's made the difference in their lives. Let's pray together. Our Lord, we see from your word the difference that you've made in the lives of Peter and John. From Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4 and following, we see over and over and over again the apostles willing to make a stand on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I don't know who this person was who put that wad of paper on that tray. I don't know. But I know this about that person. They were obedient to you. And they knew the power of your word. Lord, I pray that we would be obedient to you. That we would be unashamed to tell the story of Jesus Christ and his love for us. His willingness to take on our sin. And I pray if there is one here today that does not know the Lord Jesus Christ. That has not trusted in Jesus Christ as their savior from sin. That today could be that day. I pray that your spirit would give them the eyes to be able to see the truth and the need that they have for Jesus Christ as Savior. Help us to be men and women who cannot stop talking about the one who's changed our lives forever. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.
I changed my mind about something. I was thinking that um, instead of waiting until the first of the year, let's start today. Let's start putting on Facebook today scripture about the Lord Jesus Christ. So much so that one of your friends is going to call you and say, what's wrong with you? You say, Jesus Christ. There's a passage of scripture in Revelation I'd like to read. I'd like for you to stand. We're going to have a, a different closing today. Typically, I'll pray and then you're dismissed. But today, I'm going to read scripture and then the choir is going to close us uh, with a song. Revelation chapter 5, verse 11. And I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them I heard saying. Wow, that's quite a scene. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And the, 24, and the four living creatures kept saying, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped.